Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very, very special edition of Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Psychic Medium Angelo, joined, as I am every week, by Dan the Man Sebastiano, the Happy Haberdasher. How you doing, brother? Good, Angelo. Looking forward to a great interview. This should be a lot of fun. Going to be a good one. And our guy, Big Ben Scala from Ocala. Benny, how you doing, brother? Good. And here, this is definitely a special uh, salute to Jimmy Snooker. Absolutely. And we have, uh, you know, guys, we um, every week we bring, you know, the biggest and the best names in professional wrestling, past, present, and future. We have a guy with us tonight. It's a really unique guy, very special guy, and uh, and I like him a lot. It's a really good guy. His name's Phil LaRusso. Uh, he's not famous. He uh, he should be though, because he looks like a damn movie star. Phil LaRusso is a uh, a former bodybuilder, wrestler, manager. He uh, he's been around the business, the wrestling business, a very long time. But his greatest claim to fame, and one he's most proud of, is his friendship and uh, really deep family friendship with Jimmy Superfly Snooker. He knew Jimmy in and out of the ring and got to know that fourth wall, that proverbial fourth wall we all talk about penetrating in the world of wrestling. He's a great guy, and uh, I know you guys are going to treat him with respect and uh, and decorum. So, uh, Phil, welcome to the show. Phil LaRusso, Jimmy Snook's best friend. Thank you so much. You're very kind, and I appreciate uh, the invitation. And uh, um, I'm happy to be here. I was looking forward to this. Thank you. We've been looking forward to it, Phil. Um, I got a couple guys here that are re- real Super Jimmy fans. Okay. And uh, and we want to know about yes. the guy, about the the human being. Forget about what you're reading tabloids and forget about what you see on television. I want to know. I want to let these guys know. Let's put it this way. I'm going to put it this way, Phil. You and I both knew Jimmy. Yes. We knew him in different regards. You knew him personally. I knew him as well personally, but not to the extent you did. But I did a lot more business with Jimmy. He worked for me a lot. Oh, I understand. Uh, And so I want you, you and I, I think... uh, maybe in tandem here to paint a picture of the guy that we knew. So, and I know that, that big Ben and uh, Dan, the man, they got lots of questions. So if you don't mind, uh, Phil, let's, I'll just start off with my question. How did you and Jimmy uh, meet under what circumstances? Jimmy and I met for the very first time back in uh, I'm bad with dates, but probably around 2000 and, Eight-ish, I want to say, I was sponsoring uh, local wrestling shows here in town, um, fundraisers for my kids' school, as a matter of fact. Um, Jimmy lived in town. Uh, you, at that time, I, I uh, called upon uh, National Wrestling Superstars to do the show for me, and uh, it was a no-brainer to have Jimmy as a headliner because he was five minutes away. Yeah, sure. Um, we met that night. I did the manager gimmick for him, the, for him the first time that night, and we just hit it off. And um, like I said, that was probably back in 08. And um, 
it just rolled from there. I mean, we just, nothing was forced. I'll tell you what, here's what broke the ice, and I'll be very honest with you. The very, very first time that Jimmy and his wife, Carol, were here at our home for dinner, yeah. um, I looked at Jimmy, and I said, when we're together, you don't have to be the super fly. Just be Jimmy. And he put his fork down, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, thank you. And ever since that time, we were just, it was a different relationship than, than I've ever known. It was a friendship. It was a bond. Yeah. Um, it was cool. It was, it was, it was family. A lot um, of people don't know this, Phil, but I'm going to, I'm going to break the fourth wall over here. Jimmy was a really, really humble guy. Absolutely. You know, you, you saw him on TV. He came across sometimes like a wild man. You know, they played him up as the, you know, this crazy guy from the Fiji Islands, you know, taking, you know, uh, life, uh, what, what would they call that, Dan? Like a, a life risking uh, leaps or however you want to say it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you saw this guy, you know, doing things in the ring, defying gravity. But, right. and, and the funny thing is he could not have been more grounded if he, he really was very, very grounded and yeah, I agree. he, and Phil, he didn't have a lot of people in his life like you and I that, you no. know, that could just talk to him. Well, you know what? It's, well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. The whole thing is, you know, when, when, when somebody of that stature, whether it be an athlete, uh, celebrity, Hollywood, whatever, you know, everybody wants something from you. And when, when, and I said to him, I said, you know what? I don't want anything from you. Am I going to ask you for an autograph for a picture for somebody now and then? Yeah, I am. And I didn't want anything from him except our friendship. And that's what we shared. So, you know, you know, this is like not only this business, but anybody that's in the spotlight of any level, um, People want something from you, you know, and, sure. and now you have to decipher who is sincere and who's a user. And <laughs> there's a lot of users. Oh, boy. Yeah, don't we know that? You know, you've been, yeah. uh, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Phil, that you were a former bodybuilder, wrestler, and manager. Uh, you trained with, the, with our friend, the late Larry Sharp yeah. at the Monster Factory. That was before Larry even had the Monster Factory. Um, we would just meet up at shows. Matter of fact, um, Larry at the time was on tour. If I remember right, he was he was in Japan. I had met his dad originally, and um, we were waiting for Larry to get back. In the meantime, I was I was training with uh, a stuntman, so to speak. Yeah. And um, Larry got back, and uh, but I, I didn't train with him. Uh, like a lot of people did for months or years at a time. No, definitely not. Uh, like I said, because there was, there was no, he wasn't involved with the school back then. Um, so it was just like meet up at the show, get in there, do this, do that, and whatever. And uh, yeah, you know what? It was a dream, and I lived it out, and it was good. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I'm paying for it now from head to toe, but it was okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So go ahead, Dan. You got questions for Phil. I know you do. I do. Phil, thanks for being here. Uh, this is going to be interesting because really the 
the larger than life persona that, that Jimmy Snuka had, the human side of him is not something that's really been explored much. I, I'm curious because he was, for lack of a better term, perfect. I mean, he had the look, he had the personality, the hair, the moveset. If you were to grow a wrestler in a bottle, it would look like Jimmy Snuka. Uh, so I'm curious, exactly. did you guys ever talk about what could have been? Like if wrestling hadn't worked out for him, I know he was Mr. Hawaii when he was a bodybuilder, but did you, did he ever mention what he would have done if wrestling hadn't worked out? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, actually, no, but there were options. Um, we, we never got into a conversation in depth. Um, he was, yes, like you said, he, he was a champion bodybuilder. Uh, a lot of people don't know that I believe it was two years he was uh, bodyguard for Elvis when he was training and working in Hawaii. Did, did you um, say Elvis? Yes, I did. Wow, yeah. okay. Elvis Presley. Yep. Wow. That's cool, yes. And um, he also, when he was in his younger years, he had a letter of intent from the Philadelphia uh, Phillies to play professional baseball, but he was underage and nobody would sign for him. He couldn't get permission, but there was another option for him. He was a, he was a all around very, very good, excellent athlete, uh, whether it be wrestling, uh, baseball, he was into football and all the local sports, all the local Philadelphia sports here, so to speak. Um, he loved them all. Nice. Ben Scala, Big Ben from Ocala. Ben Scala from Ocala. So this is kind of a, it's a long question here. Actually, you know, I'm going to go back to one of my earlier questions. It's something you shared with where with, shared with me last night, Phil, that Jimmy actually had a love of sharks, and I wanted you to elaborate on that. When he was growing up in Fiji, there was obviously water. Um, there was a shark, baby shark, that used to come in and out. And he used to feed the shark, and it was, the way he explained it, it was pretty much on a time schedule. The, the, the shark knew when Jimmy was going to be there with food. Um, I guess just like, you know, you would train a dog. And the shark would come in and out four, five, six times a day, whatever it was, and Jimmy would feed him. And that lasted a couple of years. Wow. And then one day, Jimmy gave him his last meal, and the shark just, left and that was the end of it he never saw him again wow but he had a, a, a love of animals and fish and i mean he uh in the summertime he'd be glued to the tv watching the, the show uh short short week um <laughs> yeah just loved that that all that kind of stuff yeah so uh, you met him uh some time ago, and it was an instant connection. What, when when you first met him, were there any pretenses of what you thought you would expect? Uh, were you surprised by the reaction you got that he was, in fact, so humble? Uh, I, I really don't like to prejudge people. Um, when he walked into the building that night with his wife, um, the promoter of National Wrestling Superstars brought me over to introduce, him to, to introduce us to each other. And um, 
It was just a natural conversation. No, there was no pretense about him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he took, my, my son took a photo with him. He put his hand in his, in his fanny pack, gave him a business card, gave my son a business card, said, you're a big boy. At that time, he owned a, a school, I believe, down in Florida. And he, he said, you know, you got you to gotta get in the ring. And uh, my son at that time, and he still is pretty big. He's six foot. He's over yeah. you know, 250 pounds, whatever. But um, yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, but there were no, there was, there were no pretenses, and I wasn't expecting anything one way or the other. No, I've been around it too long to, to, to I'm not starstruck. Let's put it that way. Right, right. That's well, yeah, and as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, you, uh, you've been around the business a very long time, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and if anybody wants to really. You know, take a look at uh, at Phil and some of his history. Just hit him up on Facebook and uh, and take a look at his photos. He's got it's a who's who of wrestling, brother. I'm going to tell you what, it really is. You know, and, and a lot of people would, in fact, be starstruck. You you've been you know hobnob with some of the big timers, brother. Well, you know what? No matter who you are or where you come from, everybody puts his pants on one leg at a time. Exactly. Yeah. Simple exactly. as that. You know, it is what it is. So uh, everybody's human, and if you're full of yourself, then stay away from me. I'm not, <laughs> exactly. I'm, it's as simple as that. Because I'm uh, that's not what I'm about. Exactly. Um, I grew up uh, being respectful, taught respect and loyalty and friendship, and yeah. that's I treat people as they treat me, and it, you know it's just simple and. I don't mean to sound cocky about it. I don't think that I am, but you know, you, you're, if you're treating, if you treat somebody with respect, you get respect back. And, um, Absolutely. Well, let's you know, talk sure. about the, uh, let's talk. I'm going to go back to that dinner table that night when, uh, when Jimmy came over now, you know, takes a lot of chutzpah to invite Superfly Snooker over for dinner. So, uh, I, what do you, would well, you guys, well, 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 let me stop you, Angelo. I didn't invite Superfly Snooker. I invited Jimmy. Oh, okay. Good. Let's clarify that. You invited Jimmy. <laughs> the, that, yeah. That, yeah, you know what? That. Thank you, Phil, because that's that's really important. You, you invited Jimmy Snooker, unless not I the just Superfly. Blew, unless I just blew your question out of the water. <laughs> no, actually, I got a follow-up for it. Of course, I, I always do. Ask Dan. He'll tell you I love to talk. Um, okay. It's a little bit. I'm going to smack this kid, Phil. I really. (laughs) (laughs) So when Jimmy comes over for dinner, what are you eating? What are you talking about? And walk me through that evening. Put me in. uh, Put me at that dinner table. Well, as you were sitting at the dinner table, we start off with uh, you want the whole menu. Well, you don't have to. No, if you if you you give me the menu, I'm going to want an invite myself. So. you know I'm about food, too. So. Oh, brother, let me tell you something. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, just for anybody who wants to know, I don't know how Phil is not 400 pounds. I told Bill after. I said, Bill, how is Phil LaRusso not like 400 pounds? The guy's always cooking. And you make. And I want to tell everybody, this man doesn't buy anything store-bought. He makes his own stuff, Okay. He makes his own stuff. You, none of that stuff comes off of a shelf anywhere. All Italians are light eaters. They start eating when it gets light out. 
<laughs> and, right? and, tonight, and tonight with scallops and shrimp over with oh, wings. Shut up. You're killing me, will you? Mm. Oh, my pictures, God. Pictures on Facebook. You can go there and drool. <laughs> Phil, can you freeze dry that stuff and uh, mail it? Like, yeah. You know, like, does it travel well? <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, Phil is all about food. He really is all about the food. That's hilarious. So, uh, yeah. So, walk me through that. Uh, walk me through that 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 dinner conversation. Oh, um, it, it it was just you know what when you meet people every now and then that you just feel like you've known them all your life, yeah. Or you grew up with them. That's the kind of a, a of a feel that it was. Um, it was the first time that my wife had met Jimmy or anybody of any kind of television notoriety. She was a little starstruck. Um, and, you know, but after a few minutes of conversation, uh, you know, everybody just felt comfortable yeah. and relaxed with one another. And it, it was just as if you and I are talking right now. Um, uh, Humble. Did I have questions? Yeah. Uh, that is, this is how I found out about um, the Philadelphia Phillies with the um, letter of intent. As a matter of fact, our dinner uh, is what was on a Sunday, and that the following Thursday is when he was invited to the Phillies um, as a guest. Um, he was sitting up in a broadcast booth. I wish I could remember the name of the. the the Philly that he was friendly with. Uh, he's since been traded. I'm going back again, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it was just a, a free-flowing conversation and um, friendly, warm. Uh, it was just another connection after we spent five or six hours together. Yeah, I heard Jimmy like to talk a lot about his childhood. Uh, he loved his mother. He just adored his mother. And he talked, yeah, he talked a lot about growing up. What kind of what was your feel, Phil, for the kind of relationship he had with his family? Uh, say again, what was my what? I'm sorry. What what my, kind my, of what was what my, was the feel you got from him uh, as far as the kind of relationship he had with his family? Okay, like you said about his mom, he was totally 110% devoted to his mom. Um, I think that his mom was probably the most important person in his life, the most influential. Um, Jimmy, you know, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of turn here because it's in his book and it's a well-known fact that Jimmy did not know how to read or write. He knew how to sign his name for an autograph. Okay. Yeah. Jimmy mm -hmm. literally was brought up in the, in the jungle. So his education was extremely minimal. Right. But, and, and you were not going to sit down and have a conversation of political or debate anything. That yeah. just didn't happen. But he was full of wisdom. And, and one day I said to him, because he always had a thing about, you know, People think I'm stupid. And that would, when he said that, it, it used to bring a tear to his eye. Yeah. Literally, literally bring a tear to his eye. 
And I said to him, Jimmy, I said, you know what? There's a lot of whole lot of things that I don't know from a book either, but that's okay. You know, you do what you can do. I said, you speak from your heart and you have wisdom. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? The only other one that ever told me that was my mom. Ah. And that really, uh, and he filled up again because it just meant so much to him that his mom, um, put that in his mind as a young kid growing up. And, and, and it, that's something that stayed with him. Phil, was he a guy, was, was he a guy who felt like something was missing from his life? Was he, was he a searcher, somebody that was searching for something, whether it was knowledge or, uh, emotion or something to fill a void? I never got that feeling. I'll be honest with you. Um, he he looked at his life as being very fortunate, um, very grateful um, to the life he was given. He was yeah. very uh, very indebted to God that he was given this life. Here's again. Exactly. Here's somebody who came from the jungle, and from that jungle became known worldwide. Mm, how absolutely. many other how many other people can say that and at the same time stay humble and keep everything in perspective with with that status yeah that that's a huge that's that's huge that's huge did so, no, he ever I, Phil did he ever slip in and out of the superfly or was he always Jimmy with me he was always Jimmy we, there were no pretenses. No, 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 it wasn't, uh, I'm, I'm asking yeah. for a specific reason. Jimmy, Wharton, okay. as I said, you, you know, your relationship with him and mine, uh, are uh -huh. similar and parallel in some regards, but okay. you knew him outside the ring largely. Uh, I knew him outside the ring moderately. Uh, I did a lot of work with him. He worked for me a lot, but we had right. the chance to speak and right. we had the chance to, to speak about things other than wrestling. In fact, okay. and I always got the feeling that he was on a journey looking for something that for whatever reason eluded him. That's why I asked you that question. If he was that, he also eluded me. I was not, um, I didn't pick up on that. Uh, not to say that it's not, it wasn't there. I, it just, I never personally picked up on it. Um, never got that feeling. And it was something that we didn't talk about because yeah. I don't know if there was a reason to talk about it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Benny Scala from Ocala, brother, you're up. Well, I want to get back to the baseball thing because I have, two passions in life. One is wrestling, obviously, and the other one is baseball. Actually, after listening to you talk, I think I have a third one, which is uh, scallops and linguine. But uh, <laughs> that sounded really good. Uh, so uh, did he start playing in Fiji or did he start playing in Hawaii? And what position did he play? Oh, you got me stumped on that. I, I just know that he was a good ball player from what he told me. Um, 
I don't remember what position he played. Uh, I mean, you're, you know, we're going back to his teenage years, I would right. assume, again, because he was underage, so he needed somebody to sign that letter of intent to give him permission to move ahead. Um, I, If he told me what position he played, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember. I'm sorry. That would have been, so he would have been that maybe like the late 50s, early 60s, which was before free agency. So somebody had to scout him and see him play and was so impressed that they gave him an offer. I would say so. Yeah, you're going back, like I said, yeah, you're going back a long ways. Yeah. 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 Sorry I couldn't answer that for you. I I just don't know. I seem to remember something about him being a second baseman. That's possible. I mean, you know, at this point, to be honest, Angela, you could tell me any any position. I, I I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he did have a hell of an arm on him. That that's for that we know that for certain. He had yeah, a hell of yeah. an arm on him. He could throw yeah. a hell of a ball. He really could. Unbelievable athlete. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know this, but you know, Benny mentioned uh, Fiji, uh, Fiji and Hawaii. Okay. But uh, and I'm sure you guys talked about this at some point. But Jimmy used to when he was when he was growing up, he was a cliff diver and he used to dive for pearls for the tourists. Yes. Wow. Did, did you guys ever talk about that? About his early uh, days? Just just to just to the point of you know to to earn some extra money. Um. Uh, it, it's just pretty pretty much it was a job so to speak, because right. he was earning money. Um, but nothing glamorous. I, you know, I guess it was just like one thing led to another. Yeah. Um, and I, I know we enjoyed it. And that's, I guess, I guess that's where you get over your fear of heights, which gives you, like, you know, you can fly off the top cage then, because if you flew off a cliff, I guess you can do anything at that point. Yeah. Well, I remember uh, the last time Jimmy worked for me was 2001. Okay. And, uh, and I remember because he and Carol were not yet married. They were still engaged. Okay. And uh, it was in Atlantic City at the Sands Casino. Okay, um, right. Yeah, if you remember the Sands Casino. He did a show for me there. It was the last time he worked for me. Um, before he started, uh, you know, his health started to take a decline and, you know, and it was a slow, steady decline over the years. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, Phil, uh, you know, at that time he would have been probably say 2001, he would have probably been about 55, 56, maybe. Right. Mm, Yeah. 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 He was he was born in forty three, so, so he'd be fifty eight. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know he was in his fifties, and it was probably yeah. That's that's about right. And I want to tell you something. And I've got the I have the the uh, the video here of that show, okay. and he was rock solid, brother. And I'll tell you what, he did that superfly splash like it was effortless. And when it yeah. probably for was it was it, it, you know it probably was. Um, sure. That was the last time he worked for me, but I remember it for a couple of reasons. Uh, okay. He wouldn't take my money, and he never took my money. 
<clears throat> which and I always I, I, I that used to frustrate me. I said, you know, you're working to put food on your table. You know, right. my money's just as good as anybody else. He goes, No, brother, I can't take that, brother. Everything you, you know, Phil will tell you, everything was brother. Right. Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Remember? Yeah. Everything's brother. But uh, no, he would never take my money. And that night I remember specifically because Carol was in the audience and one of my guys came out. I've told the story on the show before. He Hello? came out and he ran through the crowd like he usually does. And he knocked okay. Carol off of her chair. Oh, no. And Jimmy thought that he did it purposely. Not he, good. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I had a little heat for about five minutes with Superfly. Okay. Not not Jimmy, Superfly. I understand. <laughs> okay. And yes. once I, you know, I explained to him, no, bro, I said, that's just his character. That, that's just, he comes out in a straight jacket, and he's crazy, and he's you can't tame him. Oh, okay, Slayer. brother. Well, don't let What's it happen it? again, brother, because I don't like that. Was it Slayer? Slayer, yes, exactly. Slayer, yes, Slayer, yes. Slayer did a lot of work for National Wrestling Superstars. He did one of my shows down here. He worked for me all the time. Phil? Okay, George. George. George, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. George is all of five foot three, <laughs> if he's five three, but he's he's cut like, you know, he's cut, uh, yeah. you know, remarkable build on him for a, for a, a small guy. But Absolutely. he's just crazy. Just, I mean, yeah. insanely good crazy. Yeah, really, really into his character. Yeah. Yeah. And Jimmy thought it was a shoot. I told this story to Bill after. That's how your name came up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So watch the after interview. You'll, because we, because, you know, Bill, you know, you know, Bill loved Superfly. He loved yeah. the, the brother. Love the brother. Yep. Oh yep. man. So um I got I have to tell you though that the, that that was the and it broke my heart in a in a lot of ways that that was the last time I really got to work with him. Um okay. You know and, and I didn't see him after that and I saw him one time no I'm sorry twice in between and the last time I saw him, he did not look good at all. But um, so you you guys had a lot of years in between your your visits with one. Oh, another, brother! Right? I met I first met him in 1985. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like you know what, Angel? In the in the last um, ten years or so ish, um, his. His body, well, he did the full ankle replacement. Yeah. Uh, he had that bone sticking out of his shoulders that needed to be repaired for years. Oh, and he my just God, kept, yeah. You know, yeah. fighting the bullet and, and, and just bearing the pain with that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, other health issues that, that set in. And, um, yeah. you know, at some point, your, your body just says, hey, you know, this hurts, and it hurts beyond repair, yeah. so, 
you know, and it, it was sad to see. There's no question about that. Um, and, it, and it also hurt to see him have to wrestle into his, you know, 60s. You know, you don't ever want to see a guy go past his prime. Right. You know, yeah. um, but he was not the kind of guy, and you know this, Phil, he was not the kind of guy that was ever going to tell a promoter no. No, you're absolutely right. First of all, you know what, Angela, and you you know as well as I do, he loved, not only he loved the business, but he loved what he did. And those yeah. are two separate things, okay? Those are two very different things. But it's, it's amazing what you what you just said about, um, you know, you don't want to tell a promoter no. A lot, <laughs> I hate to go back to this, but a lot of our conversations, a lot of our meaningful conversations took place over food. And yeah. we we were in a diner one afternoon having lunch, and I was having some health issues that were very serious. But well, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't want to go into that now. But anyway, right? I was I was scared. I was nervous, and I, I didn't know what else to do except be scared and nervous. And he looked at me and he said, "You do what I do. Just do it one." more time and that you know what I'm I'm getting emotional by just saying that because it meant so much to me as it still does now after all of these years because what he said to me is what uh, those are the very same words that I carried in my mind and in my heart with me as they wheeled me into the operating room Yeah, one more thing and that's, that's the mindset that I had, that Jimmy said, let the doctors do what they got to do just one more time, and then we're, then we're done. Exactly. And, that's what and ever since then, yeah, we're done. We're done. I did it one more time. Yeah. But that was, his, that was his philosophy, to just do it one more time. One more time. And that's what he always wanted to do. Just You never say no, you never give up. Just do it one more time. And that's yeah. what he did. <clears throat> Phil, Dan, the man's got a couple questions for you. Go ahead, Dan. I do. Uh, first off, I was hoping, actually, I want you to uh, elaborate a little bit. You said loving the business and loving what you do in the business are two different things. What do you, What exactly did you mean by that? Well, you know, it's just like anybody, I, I would look at it this way, just like anybody who has any, any other kind of job, okay? Just because if you're, I'm just going to use a, 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 off the top of my head, if you're a mechanic, you might love being a mechanic, and that's what you do, and that's what's in your blood, okay? Mm-hmm. You might not necessarily like the way the mechanic um, field has been. If you're working for whatever manufacturer or the, whatever garage, you might not like how they do things in their okay. business. You might not agree with all of their, their rules, regulations, protocols, and guidelines, and that's fine. That's that's their business, and if you want a job, that's what you do. You might not like that part of the business, but you love what you do. As a trade, that's what's in your heart and what, what, what your abilities are. Absolutely. That, that, that makes sense. Um, something I also was hoping you could expand on, Angela touched on a little bit. I know um, from, from what I've heard, obviously, uh, a lot of people have said that Jimmy Snuka had a lot of good stories, and he once you kind of got him going, he was a good guy to talk to. Was oh there God. any? Was there anything he would go back to regularly, any moments he touched on that that you might be able to expand on or or maybe open the door a little bit on things that were obviously maybe his favorite memories or his favorite bits? 
that the, the, uh, yeah, everybody's got that friend that tells the same story a hundred times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? The, 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 the Backlund snooker match. I, thank you, Phil. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. Match because of the year, I, as you were talking, my guys will tell you, I'm over here waving my hand up in the air. <laughs> like, and that's what I was going to say. The Backlund snooker match. A yeah. lot of people might think that it was the Snooker Morocco match. But people um, don't realize this that he went off the top of that cage with Bob Backlund first. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and a that, lot of people it's lost on them, Phil. Well that that's the landing that he he missed. That's the one Backlund rolled away from, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep. Well, the, the, the reason that that story was what Jimmy thought was humorous was because um, they all thought he was hurt. They all thought that he was he broke his ribs. Mm. And when they brought him back to the dressing room, the dressing room, according to Jimmy, was silent because oh, Jimmy snuck the super fly was hurt. Yeah. And he yeah. didn't he, he, he didn't say a word. He laid, they got him back there. They laid him on the table. He was still holding his ribs. McMahon Sr. came up to him, looked over at him, and said, you're going to be okay. And Jimmy just looked at Vince Sr. and winked at him because he, yeah. he sold it to him. And that's what he thought was humorous is because he, he, he sold it to the entire locker room that he was hurt. He was yes. fine. Oh, that's great. When you got the boys worked, you're good. You're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. That was one of his favorite stories, yeah. <clears throat> well, then then let me let me ask you to flip the script and did he ever say any uh on the other side of the spectrum? Was there stories he told like maybe his least favorite memory or somebody he didn't like working with? You know, yeah, because again, everybody's got that friend that tells the same yeah. story a hundred times, and usually they've got a story about a villain that they'll tell a hundred times too. No, you know why? Um, again, he, the love that he had for the business. Um, I've, I can't say who it is, but there were very, very, very few people that I. Let's put it this way: on I, I can count on one hand and have two fingers left over the people that he did not like. Yeah. Okay. And he, it, he was impeccable about praising, uh, his fellow workers, his, his opponents. Um, it, it just, he never said a bad word about anybody. If he didn't have anything good to say, he didn't say it. Nice. I could tell you who he didn't like to work with. Okay. <laughs> John Studd. Is that right? Really? Okay. He didn't like John Studd. He thought he was clumsy and awkward and wouldn't sell for him. Uh, he was a big boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Benny right. Scala. Go ahead, brother. One of the many things I love about wrestling is the tradition. And there's so many famous wrestling families, like the Von Erichs, the Funks, the Hearts, the Rhodes. And what people don't realize is Jimmy had two children that wound up making it pretty, you know, pretty big in the wrestling business. Yeah. Was that something that he was he wanted for his kids? 
Uh, I can't say that it was something that he wanted, per se, but when it happened, he was very, very proud. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and it was proud in the regard that, uh, just like anybody else, you know, my son, my daughter, whatever, following in their, their dad or their mom's footsteps as far as an occupation, a trade, yeah. uh, whatever. Um, you know, from a... It's different from a fan's point of view as it is to a worker's point of view in so much as he was going, just like anybody else, you're going to work. You, you know, just, just like anybody else goes to work in the morning. Well, I go to work at night and my my job is in the ring. It's work. It's like going to the office. It's um, Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it, exactly you know, right. You know, it, Phil, it, I, I remember when... Um, when his son started out, he actually worked for me a few times under the okay. name Jimmy Snooker Jr. Okay, okay. And I begged him to change his name. He finally did. He listened to me. He uh-huh. changed his name because I thought that using the name Jimmy Snooker Jr. It's like calling yourself Bruno San Martino Jr. Right. How right. Do you, you know what I'm saying, Phil? How do you fill those? How do you fill that shoe? It's a big, big shoes to fill. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and Snooker, you know, let's be honest about it. You know, he was a mainstay guy for a long time, for basically his whole career. Right. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, calling yourself Jimmy Snooker Jr., you're not doing yourself any favor, you know, career-wise. So I was, I was happy to see his son, you know, finally change his name. But I remember when he started out. It, it's okay. Jimmy wasn't he didn't want his kids to, to go into the business, but he wasn't going to stop them. Let's put it that way. Right, if that's right. what they wanted to do. Then, you know, then he he gave them the blessing, of course. Yeah, he supported. Yes, yes. Because they when they started out, they both worked for me okay. when I had my promotion. So right. I mean, all, all the snook has worked for me. Okay. And, um, but is it harder to be a wrestling father than it is to, than it is to be a wrestler? Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you, you're talking from you, uh, a wrestling father and watching his son or daughter. Is, is that the question? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly where I'm going with it. Yep. I think that it can be twofold, Angelo. I think that actually threefold. From a fan's standpoint, when you watch a son or a daughter, again, doesn't have to be wrestling. Any athlete, let's put any just in general, any any athlete. Um, uh, from a fan's standpoint, they're looking at well, you're never, you're not as good as your dad. You're not as good as that. Yeah. You know, that's a lot to live up to and a lot of comparisons being made, you know. Yeah, and that's exactly opposed, that's exactly why I asked that, Phil. Right. As opposed to, you know, people sitting in the in, in the seats and in, in the stands and, and saying, Well, you know, I, I grade them or like them because of their own natural abilities. There's always going to be that comparison. Always. Um it's just like, you know, uh uh 
Ben and I had a, uh, had a discussion last night about about Bruno. Bruno was also my idol. Okay, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. A lot of respect for him, but when his son got into the business, there was such a comparison. Oh that my God! How, yeah. How did his kid live up to this this legend? This this. How? How do you do yeah. that? That's, and that's Phil, you know what, Phil? That's a really good point. That's a really, really good point. Because, you know, first of all, it's completely unfair to the, to the offspring to Absolutely. be compared to, you know, to the elder. Right. Yeah. Especially in a case like Bruno, who was just, you know, in every aspect larger than life. Absolutely. In, in every aspect. And, you know, you and I both had, you know, the opportunity to know Bruno. I knew him very well. I knew Bruno mm-hmm. very well. I've had lunch and dinner with him. Um, and, and got to talk to him on multiple occasions, but I, you know, when the whole David thing, when that, when that happened with, you know, you know, David San Martino, um, you know, basically jobbing to Ron Shaw, basically saying, you know, screw this. I'm done with the business. That was a colossal slap in the face to his old man, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, to to Jimmy's to Jimmy's children's credit. Right. Thankfully. They had their own identities and they weren't compared. It it could have gone really south very quickly, Mm -hmm. you know, for Jimmy Snooker, quote, Jimmy Snooker Jr., unquote. Right, right, right. Had he continued with that. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, he got that out of his system. Right, but, and he um, had the gimmick with, uh, with the Deuce and Domino thing, and, you know. Exactly, and it, yeah. 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 Exactly, yeah. yep. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, it, it, there's a lot to live up to. You mentioned, you know, uh, athletics to begin with. Yeah. Every sport. I don't care if football, but look, uh, you know, Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr., you know, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, the guy for the Orioles. What's his name? Uh, Cal Ripken. Yeah. Cal Ripken, Cal Ripken Jr. All right. Yeah. I mean, you can do the whole, you can do it that way. You know, um, you know, Ken you know Orton, Jr. The whole bit, you know, yeah. Angela, Angela, you know what? I think in all fairness, I think that it's just the nature of the game. It's, it's human nature. People yeah. are going there. And I, you know, I, I don't think that there's anything malicious about it. It's just human nature. It's just, yeah. you know, you're, you're used to watching your hero, whether it be sure. Jimmy or Bruno or whoever else is yeah. your idol you follow, or, you know, and nobody's, no matter what, nobody's going to compare to that. Nobody's going to be in that, in, yeah. in that same. And again, well, I don't Phil, think- it's, it's like, like Dan, the man likes to say, Wrestling fans are simultaneously the the greatest and worst people in the world. Yeah. You know, they uh, they are you know, entirely too passionate, if there is such a thing, mm-hmm. but they're also entirely too critical. Yes. On, on the other hand, Dan, you want to explore that, expand upon that line of uh, questioning? Yeah, I mean, uh, I bring up that point a lot, Phil, uh, in that. Like Angelo was saying, wrestling fans, they have a level of dedication and memory. I mean, it's part of the reason that the older 
for lack of a better description, the older wrestlers can show up for a cameo appearance or the fact that someone like a Jimmy Snuka, we talked about uh, earlier a couple, what, about a month ago, we were talking about someone like a Wahoo McDaniel who just, just slapping his name, you know, on an indie show. You, you mentioned, uh, Angela mentioned having Jimmy Snuka at, at the, at the smaller v- event, you know, fans are going to turn out for that. And I've seen that here. Oh my God. With, did they? You know, you, you, you get these names and wrestlers have, or excuse me, wrestling fans have that memory, but at the same time, that also carries a level of judgment in that they don't forgive. They don't forget. They certainly don't forget you botch one move or one, one moment. And that defines your career forever or yeah. silly chance. Um, right. I mean, I, I, and that's what I was getting at, Dan. Yes. I'm glad you went there. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm curious with, uh, uh, touching on both the good and the bad. You, you, you mentioned having, you know, being involved with him, uh, being, despite being humble and, and kind of being very friendly, I've heard nothing but good experiences from fan events and all that. Did, did, did Jimmy ever fully understand or have, Maybe that's not the best word. Have kind of a did he understand the and, and get that appreciation, like really kind of get that connection, like understand how loved he was by the fans and and appreciate that reaction? Good question. Good question and a tough question to answer. Um he realized that people, fans, um respected him. Wanted an autograph, wanted a picture. To the degree that they loved him, no, I don't think he ever realized that because of his humility. Um, Phil, I got, can, can I tie in there real quick? Yeah, yeah. Did he realize how famous he actually was? No. No. Emphatically, no. He... He knew that his name was known or that people from Australia or New Zealand or England or knew his name. But just like anything else, this was the business he was in. He didn't understand the magnitude of that. Um, Did he he have any any idea uh, how powerful television was to his to his to his legend i hate to use that word because in wrestling you know there's a legend every five minutes but uh did did he have any any concept and any clue as to the power of television uh, over his life yes that's the tv wonderland yes that's why he referred to it as the TV Wonderland. TV Wonderland, he, yeah. Because he knew the, the masses that that the camera could reach and to yeah. how many homes it could get into. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in that regard, yeah, he knew that it, looking into the camera and speaking into the camera and doing his thing into the camera, that he was reaching people that he could not see but could see him. But again, the the magnitude of that and what it meant to the person in their living room yeah. watching him. Did he get that? No, no, he didn't know. And again, I chalk that up to being humble. Um, yeah. he just, 
he didn't think he was better than anybody. Uh, he was just Jimmy. And, you know, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. Well, if I can, if I can expand on that a little bit, since the conversation started with talks of him later in his career at some of these smaller shows, did that humility where he didn't really think of himself as better or, or more of a, a senior figure, did that ever affect his interaction with the younger wrestlers at these smaller shows? Was he, did that affect his ability to be a mentor or a guide, or was he still able to throw out the pointers? Or did the wrestlers even come to him for that information? Oh, my God, did they. Yeah, Phil, take but, that one. Take that one, he, Phil. Well, you know what? He, he was most willing to help or answer any question if he was approached by a young wrestler. Now, you got a real, you got to realize, too, that a lot of the young guys, because of the intimidation factor of because he was the super fly, that they wouldn't go over to him except yeah. to shake a hand and say, nice to meet you and mm-hmm. can I have a picture, as opposed to uh, a, a veteran who would be on, for example, an indie card and, and, and you know, talk how we're going to do this match and so on and so forth. And that, that's a whole different breed. But did he, I never, ever saw him turn anybody away. I never saw him turn a fellow never. worker away. Never. Never. Uh, In fact, Phil, I'll, I'll tell you a story, Phil, and I'll, I'll you know, yeah. tell the story for the benefit of our, our audience and, and for yeah. Dan and, and Ben. When I had Jimmy at the Sands in Atlantic City, there, uh-huh. there were guys there that were incredibly awestruck that they were in the presence of not only Jimmy Snooker, but Tom Brandy and Vader, Leon White. And, uh, and they were afraid to go up to him. I'm going to tell you something. I saw Jimmy do something I've never seen any other wrestler do. Okay. They didn't come to him. He went to them. He yeah. went into, He knocked on every dressing room door. <laughs> he went in and introduced himself. And he shook everyone's hand, you know, the old, the loose workers handshake, you know, <laughs> he shook everybody's hand and that put, you want to see a guy work the locker room. He put everyone to such ease by the time it was over, they were no longer calling him Superfly. It was just Jimmy right. or most yeah. of them just called him brother. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, you know what, Angelo, you used a great word. You used the word awestruck as opposed to what I said. I said intimidated. Your word is better than mine. That's what I should have said was that a lot of the, a lot of the guys in the locker room were awestruck. Maybe not intimidated. They were awestruck. And that's the perfect, perfect description is what you just said. You know, um, Jimmy had this, this amazing woman in his life, this love of his life, Carol, who, by the way, Phil, is going to be on. She's uh, she's doing the show with me with uh, Wahoo McDaniel's wife and Bruiser Brody's wife. I heard. Yeah, I got them. I introduced them all to each other. Now they're going to, you know, they're all like powwowing with each other. And, (laughs) you know, they all exchange phone numbers. So I was glad I could do that. Um, But uh, he had this incredibly strong, like really strong woman. Carol was an amazing, amazing woman and still is, by the way, an amazing woman. Um, What was it 
Did he ever talk to you? You know how guys sometimes talk to you about their wives. Did he uh-huh. ever talk to you about like what it was or what it is about Carol that's just that she was it, that that was it for him? Yes. Yes. Um, she was, in fact, the love of his life. There's no question about that. And she stayed with him every step of the way, good, bad, indifferent, in health, no health. And he would always say she saved my life because she was with him through his health issues, his operations, and so on and so forth. And um, she saved my life. He would always, always say that. Yeah. That was- that's a huge, huge tribute to her to, to, to have those words said about anybody is huge. It's beyond huge. Absolutely. Um, what was it that tied them together? What was the bond that, that sealed them to each other? Was Love. it uh, a, a mutual? I'm sorry, go ahead. Love. Love. Got it. <laughs> it, was a, it, it, was a, it was a deep love and a deep respect for one another. And um, you know as well as I do, she watched out for him. Um, oh, yeah. And he watched out for her. You can vouch for that part, too. Um, it, was, it was just love, deep-seated love, yes. Well, I could, say, I could tell you from... From firsthand experience, when uh, Carol started taking over his management and right. started taking over his bookings, he got a lot better pay. First of all, he got paid because if it, you know, Phil, if it was up to Jimmy, he'd have worked for everybody for free. Yeah. Because <laughs> he would never, I'm telling you, he would never take my money. He, well, he never took a dime from me, ever. There, there's only so many favors you can do for somebody. And, and then that's after, where I'm going with it, exactly. You you went yeah. right there. Perfect. Yeah, and, you know, then, then, you know, like everybody else, you know, the mailman still keeps bringing the bills, whether you get paid or not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, so, you know what, Angel, I have, to, I have to say something. I have to go back about three minutes ago. You mentioned Tom Brandy's name. Yes. And it horrible, horrible of me. Tom is the greatest guy, one of the greatest guys and and a a really, really dear friend. The shows that I ran down here, um, I did not do a show without Tom on the card. I love Tom Brandy, and I've said it on the show before. You know, I'll tell you what, you get Tom Brandy, and you got Sal Sincere, and you've got the Patriot, and you've got Tom Brandy. So yeah. it's a three for, you know, <laughs> Love the guy. He's a very, very dear, dear friend. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't go back and, and then say that being that you brought Tom's name up. Um, and he and Jimmy were very, very close and oh, they worked a lot together. You know, you know that there's a oh, lot man. of matches and, um, just a great guy, but I had to go. I'm sorry, I had to go back to that being that you oh, put no, his name I'm up. Oh no, I'm glad you did. We, let me tell you something, brother. I've I've mentioned Tom's name on this show before. We love Tom Brandy. Tommy great worked guy. me a few times, and uh, you know when I was the uh, uh, when I was an employee. I'm not gonna because I did a lot of positions, but when okay. I was an employee of the National Wrestling Alliance, um, oh. you know, uh, you know that uh, 
our mutual friend who is no longer with us, um, okay. he used the, you know Tom on a on almost every show he did. Right, right, and, right. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Tommy, I've seen this guy work three, four times a night and never bitch about it. Because he's not that kind of guy. He's going to go out there and perform. Uh, an unbelievable, a phenomenal wrestler slash athlete slash just a plain good guy. Yeah, and he's I, built like a house. He's. I can't say enough good things about Tom. He's been yeah. in my home. I, I I love the guy. Just a, just a really yeah, he's really. He's another good. guy that makes me sick because he looks so damn good. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's terrible, I know, I know. I mean, go ahead, Benny. Um, this was this is kind of a long-winded question, and you actually it was going to be a two-parter. Why not? There's nobody more long-winded than me, Ben. Well, this is like the movie Back to School when uh, Thornton Thor Mellon took his final exam. It was one question with like 37 parts. This one only has two, though, so it's really going to be more of a, st a question and then a, a statement that I wanted you to elaborate on, Phil. So, did Jimmy prefer to wrestle as a heel or a babyface? And I remember the first time that I saw him back in 1982 when he came to the WWF. He had that, he was a, managed by Lou Albano, I think. He had that glazed look in his eye. He really didn't speak yep. very much. But I think even as a heel, everybody wanted to love Jimmy. And then when he turned babyface on TV, I don't think I've ever heard as big of a pop as when Jimmy turned babyface. And I guess my, you know, so the first yeah. question was heel or babyface. But, um, and this is something, Phil, that you and I kind of chatted with last night. You know, comparing Jimmy to Hulkamania, you know, uh -huh. people, I think people got swept up in Hulkamania, like, but not necessarily Hulk Hogan, but people genuinely loved Jimmy Snuka. And yeah. I just wanted Great. to get, get your, your, you know, your comments about that. Well, to, to answer the first part of your the, the first part of your question is just real simple. He were baby-faced, and he, I can see him in my mind just shaking his head, and his answer would have been, didn't matter. Loved it all. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it just didn't matter. Again, going back to what we were speaking about earlier, is that it was for the love of the business, and this is what he did. He loved what he did. So it, it just didn't matter. If people, as long as the people loved or hated him, he did his job. Right. Yeah, well, so, uh, you know, Phil, is, you, you know you've been in the business, you know, it, if they love you or they hate you, as long as they're getting some kind of reaction, it's right. all good, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah. and, and the same thing, you know what, going back to the, the Hogan thing, and, and yeah, we talked about, about it last night a little bit, um, where their popularity ran neck and neck. Um and at the same time, once again, to, to, to say about it didn't matter to him. It was for the love of the business. When he did the corner, uh, corner man gimmick for Hogan and Mr. T, that he wasn't actually physically wrestling. He wasn't in the match. Did yeah. it matter to him? No, it didn't. No. 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 That's what they asked me to do, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, because exactly. that's what the business asked of me. I'll tell you what, if I can interject real quick, though. It's funny you mention that because anybody that saw that match, the closing uh -huh. moments when Jimmy Snuka jumped in the ring to take out Bob Orton was the biggest pop that match had all night. I'm going to give you guys a little look behind the fourth wall. Okay. Something you might not know. Okay. Hulkamania 
put the kibosh on Jimmy Snooker. Now, a lot of people won't talk about that, but I will, because I'm not going to shy away from the controversy. Jimmy Snooker was more over than Hulk Hogan, and everybody knew it. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. That's not me BSing you or working you or kayfabing. That's a fact. That's a shoot. Jimmy Snooker was, was more over than Hulkamania. Hulkamania put the kibosh on Jimmy Snooker. That's why... Jimmy was not in a match at WrestleMania on any WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's yeah. a reason for that. The powers that be didn't want Hulk Hogan overshadowed. That's a shoot. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Okay. 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 And you know what, Angela, in, in, in fairness to Hogan, he had the look, he had the hair, he had the body. Did he have the ability? Yeah, I don't know, but he had everything else going for him. Well, you know what, Phil? It's all about putting asses in seats, brother, at 25 bucks or whatever it was at the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. right. Now yeah, it's yeah. like $125. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's crazy. So speaking yeah. of controversy, let's talk about something. Okay. Um, you, you and I both know that there was a guy that was in Jimmy's life for a little while named Buddy Rogers. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You and I have spoken privately about this. Buddy was a friend of mine. Um, okay. He wasn't a friend to a lot of people because of his ways. What was uh-huh. Jimmy's relationship with Buddy? Outside of the business, they didn't have one, as to my knowledge. Um, if there, uh, if there. Love of one another went over and sold in front of the camera. Then they did their job. Um, other than that, I'm not at liberty to say anything else about that. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I, it just it, there's no reason to go there because they're just sure. playing. Well, you know, outside I was of the just business, trying to get a feel. That's all. No, I yeah. uh, and 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 as in full disclosure, in full disclosure, when you and I spoke on the phone a couple of weeks ago, we did discuss that, and I said I would respect that and wouldn't go any further. No, no, man, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. you're quite welcome. So, Dan, you're up. All right. Um, I or guess was, um, was was Benny finished? I'm sorry, Benny. Were you finished, bro? No, Dan was next. Oh, oh no, Dan- I was finished the question. Yeah. Good. Okay. I guess as we uh, as we head towards the end here, I have I have one final question for you. Um, I don't know how much you follow the current product, uh, but I know you did a lot of work on the independent scene. Uh, is there anybody you've seen in recent memory that you would watch or look at and say, I I know it sounds cliche, but somebody you watch and say that guy's going to be the next Jimmy Snuka? Wow, <laughs> good. That's a good one, Dan. Wow. Uh, and Dan, I have never said that. I've never said those words. There's there's a couple of guys that I see that I absolutely respect and admire their ability to work. Um, Roman Reigns, for one. Um, I think I think the man is is got great great potential. If 
the powers that be allow it. Powers um, that be stay I, out of their own way. I'm sorry. I, I said if the powers that be stay out of their own way. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Roman Reigns, I think, is is got... I think Roman Reigns, from my from where I'm sitting, I, I think that he's the full package. I really do. I think that he's got a look. He's got the ability. He's got the personality. Could use some work on the microphone like a lot of us all do. Okay, but uh, I think he's got he's got a lot going for him. Um, yeah. He's got a connection with the fans. His charity work. Um, I, I I think that if the if the fans are allowed to embrace him, he can go far. I really do. Absolutely. And I wish the guy had luck, not only in the ring in the business, but in his personal life and his health issues. Yeah. Go ahead, Danny. I think that Phil, uh, real quick, if I can just go uh, ahead, Danny. I'm sorry, because um, he's just because he said something about uh, Roman with his mic skills, and Angela, I know you're going to get in, give me an amen on this one. I think a lot of the problem with many of the wrestlers and their promos nowadays is that they're scripted. I think if Roman Reigns could be Roman Reigns, I think he'd cut a hell of a lot better promo. And you know what? And that's why Jimmy's promos were so effective, because Jimmy just spoke from the heart he just he you gave him two or three bullet points and set him loose let him go he knows he's a pro he knows what to do you know a guy like roman reigns if you if you do the same thing with him say okay here's a couple two or three bullet points and and go with it i think these guys are pro enough to know what to say and what not to say to get themselves over, to get the show over, to get the match over. You you have to figure, too, a good chunk of the young class, uh, your Roman Reigns, your Seth Rollins, that are the mainstays in wrestling right now, all came up through the program when Dusty Rhodes was running promo class. So uh, they all all know what they're doing. They're just hamstrung by scripts. And, and I agree. I agree 110 percent with what you just said, Dan, about being scripted. It can be scripted, but at least make it come out of your mouth sounding naturally, not yeah. like, like not like you're in third grade. How are you? I am fine. It, it, it sounds <laughs> it sounds absolutely so put on and so ridiculous. Yeah, that I have the- to turn. So it sounded off. I, I, I can't watch it. It's ridiculous. The school, the school and, theater yeah. play. Uh, and you know what, Phil? That was the thing about Jimmy. It was organic. Uh-huh. It was very it was, organic. It came out naturally. The, but at the same time, you have to look at the time period, the era, back sure. in the old thing. You know, like, like Benny and I were talking about this, like the old guys. My God, no matter who took you to the match, they could be sitting next to you, your, your, your father, grandfather, friend, neighbor, whoever, and say, ah, kid, it's fake. You know what? Even they walked out of the arena with that doubt that something may have been real that night. Right. Because yeah. it was when wrestling, God bless Uncle Bill, it didn't need to be fixed because it wasn't broken right. back then. Exactly. Exactly. Amen. You know what? That that leads me to a question that I haven't asked you yet. Here's an interesting one. Phil, did you and Jimmy ever watch wrestling together? Yeah. Yeah. We we, we watched uh, uh watched a lot of them. Um 
And then there were times that we would watch uh, just his matches. Um, every Monday, uh, the FedEx guy would come from WWE, WWF, whatever they call it now, and deliver the DVDs because he was under contract. And he was, I guess, the contracted guys were uh, entitled to uh, the DVDs. And he had all his old matches and stuff. We'd watch him on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he impressed with himself? No. Nah, <laughs> not at all. No. Yeah. No. Well, it's Phil, like a- when, uh, when, yeah. when Jimmy became, you know, gravely ill there and finally passed away, uh, right. you, um, you got something that I know that you, uh, that you treasure, that you value. Would you tell everybody what you acquired after uh, Superfly passed away? Uh, you mean the headpiece? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Well, uh, hmm. I have a Carol head. Asked me if I would do um, Jimmy's eulogy, and uh, I had a really, really. I mean, my answer, of course, was yes, but I had a really difficult time um, building up to that because the funeral was actually in Florida where he passed away. Yeah. And let me say, not, I will answer your question, but let me say, Jimmy, to, to everybody's misinformation, Jimmy did not pass of cancer. Jimmy passed of CTE, which is the chronic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nobody knows that because it's not, and it's not written anywhere. Everybody thinks he died yeah. of cancer. He did cancer. But anyway, and I'm sure if you ask Carol that, she'll tell you the same thing when she's on your show, if that's the direction you're going. But anyway. No, we're, um, we're just going to talk about the, the wives. Okay, whatever. Um, she had called and asked if I would do his eulogy. And right. um, I said, yes, I had a very difficult time um, putting my thoughts together as I started to say. The funeral itself was in Florida, which I was not at. There was a memorial here. Jimmy, uh, Carol brought Jimmy back here uh, for Memorial Mass um, for family and friends here in town. Yeah. Uh, which is where where I did the eulogy. And it was a tough one, and it still is. Um, yeah, I, I, have his, I have his chair in my memorabilia room, and I have his workout shirt, and I have his headband. Yes, I do. And um, those three pieces are just, just a part of me because they were part of him. There's a powerful picture you have. It's a, it's a simple photo, but it's a very, very powerful photo. Okay. It's uh, the headband in your yes. hand. Oh, okay. That's um, that the photo that I took. Um, I guess I guess I took it to memorialize the, the uh, anniversary of his passing. Yeah. Uh, that I that I put up every year. Um, it just symbolizes like uh, just never to let go, and um, and that's what I try to do is just not let go because because <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. Yes. Benny, final questions for Phil. Did did Jimmy have any hobbies? Something that might be of interest to us. I 
you know what? Like, loves going out in the yard, blowing leaves and waking, waking the yard up and just doing yard work and mowing along. Loved it. That, that was that was his hobby, just going out there and doing that. And if it wasn't that, he was, as I said earlier, he was stuck on Shark Week when that came around for <laughs> the uh, channel where the Cowboys and Indians. He loved all of the old, um, old Westerns, things like that. But a very, very simple, not nothing extravagant, just simple things. We know that uh, that Jimmy loved Elvis music. So, uh, how long did it take you of uh, shoving Elvis music down his throat for him to like it? <laughs> Why? Well, I, I tell you what, it was an easy one because I'm I've been a fan of Elvis since I can remember since I was a kid. I'm going to tell uh, you something that's going to make you envious, brother. I met Elvis. Wow! Did you really? I did. Okay, nice. Very and nice. I knew I knew Elvis's guitar player Charlie Hodge. I knew him very well. Okay, great, great. So yeah, Bill Apter kind of spilled the beans on that one uh, about Jimmy being an Elvis fan. He used to l- listen to Elvis music, and I said, "That's a Phil Larusso stamp right there. <laughs> that, that's a Phil stamp." If if, uh, if Jimmy Snook is listening to Elvis. He didn't do it willingly. Phil kind of, <laughs> Phil had to no. push it on. <laughs> he, he, he loved it. As a matter of fact, there's a video that I just posted a couple of weeks ago that comes up on my Facebook memories every once in a while. It's uh, Jimmy driving, him and Carol driving in the car, and he's got the Elvis tunes on, and he's he's singing how great they are. Wow. Yeah. Well, if people want to know why you're such an Elvis fan, I tell you what, I saw a picture of you. You're probably 25 in this picture with the long, dark sideburns and the old pompadour going on. Tell you what, brother, thank you, Mr. Calling. You could have been like, you know, uh, a major, you know, Elvis tribute artist today. I missed a lot of callings, but I'll get it it right the next time around. Oh, damn, that's funny. Phil, I'll tell you what, I really thank you for being here. Dan, you got final questions for Phil before we go? Um, I get, you know, I, we really touched on a lot of stuff. Um, I guess one final thought to kind of end with how he was as a person. Uh, you mentioned Angelo got you talking about the stuff you gathered from his passing. While, while Carol did make a statement, the official announcement what came from his daughter's Twitter when she posted the picture of, of them holding hands in the hospital um, uh-huh. You mentioned how how close he was with, and how much he loved his his mom. Uh, did 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 his relationship with his parents? Did he carry that over, like having the experience and, and uh, as close as he was with his kids? I I not qualified to say that. You would have to ask Carol that. Uh, she would know a whole lot better than I do. Um, as far as the business. I know he supported them. He was proud of them. He was happy for them. Um, on the personal side of that, that that's something I think that you would have to ask Carol and let her feel that question. Fair enough. Yep. Great. Phil, I want to say thank you so much for your candor, your honesty, your, uh, your insight into the man behind the superfly. Um, I hope we did justice to uh, to his memory, and uh, I hope that uh, we were respectful 
and um, and maintained uh, his memory and in, in good standing with you. So um, you haven't said anything negative. So I guess we did okay. Let me say this. First of all, thank you so much for the invitation. Yes, this was long overdue, but thank you very, very much for the invitation. Dan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Benny, yes, thank you. This, is, this has been fun. It's been fantastic. I really, really enjoyed this last hour and a half. It's been, right, it's been a, a, a fun time, and you guys are great, and I wish you all a lot of success, continued success. Very much, thank, thank you very you, much, Phil. Thank you so much. I'll give you a holler tomorrow, my friend, okay? Sounds great. Thank you so much. You take care. Good night, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Phil LaRusso, everyone. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. All right. Great conversation, you guys. Indeed. Dan, talk to me. Uh, I'm sorry, talk what? I said talk to me. Well, I thought that was incredibly in-depth i mean it's kind of what you that was one of the first shows you you i don't want to say pitched but brought up when i first joined the program was the look at the human side and uh for better or worse uh with expand with some recent expansions into a popular micro game and then obviously dark side of the ring uh Snug has been a name that's been on a lot of lips recently. It's nice to look at the human side instead of the obvious stories that have just been talked to. Yeah. In, in, and that's in, a good point, Dan. I'm glad you brought that up because the one thing that I told Phil that I did not want to do uh, was that I wasn't going to go there. You know, yeah. I'll let the dark side of the ring, I'll let them do their thing because that's, I mean, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we do. Right. You know? We put a human face on a human being. Yeah. Yes. Are they larger than life? Absolutely. Well, and, and that's, they, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was saying, I like how we, we touched on that. Cause that's something that a lot of people forget. And I know we brought it up, Benny, you mentioned it. And is, is that even as a kid, I remember that Jimmy Stucco was the biggest star in the world at, at, at that point. And yes, you had Hulkamania, but I mean, because a lot of people don't don't remember, Snuka was around before Hulkamania. So you had, he was the biggest draw in the world. And even at the time when Hulk Hogan was selling out WrestleMania after WrestleMania, Jimmy Snuka was getting the pops and getting the fans and sign, you know, getting the high fives in ways that that even Hulk Hogan wasn't. And I think that that gets lost to history and it's nice to be able to put that perspective on it, especially touching on the fact that he was humble and the fact like Phil mentioned that he never really wrapped his head around being famous because he just, you know, the, the way he was, I think yeah. that that's, that puts a, a, a level of nuance on his character as a person that you wouldn't get without that kind of conversation. Exactly. Benny, you know, I mean, it was very, very enjoyable. Um, and one thing I wanted to say is, and I wanted to say it actually to Phil is, you know, when you talk about the all-time greats, I really think you need to mention Jimmy. Now, he didn't win any belts in the WWF, but before he came, he won a ton of belts. And mm-hmm. even after he left, one of the things I wanted to say was he was actually the first ECW champion. Correct. Champion before it was, I guess at the time it was Eastern Championship Wrestling. Yes. It wasn't yeah. extreme yet. But um, he, he won gold everywhere. 
And yeah, but the one thing I, I the one thing that I enjoyed the most about that whole conversation was you could tell how much Phil genuinely loved Jimmy Snuka. Oh yeah, he was he, he was quite emotional. Yeah. Very. You know, yeah, they, you could hear it in his voice. He he really, you know, uh, and it, you know, it's true. It's, they had a uh, a memorial service here in Atco, New Jersey, where Jimmy lived at the time. Um, he was he passed in Florida, of course, but they lived in Atco, New Jersey. He and Carol, um, uh, and that and that church was absolutely jammed, jam packed. I imagine you, yeah, you could not, you couldn't find a parking spot if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and people came out in droves from all over just to be there. Um, you know, he gets emotional. I asked him about that, that headband because that's a, you know, that's a piece that he has. That's really, he cherishes that because Jimmy always, if you look at the photos behind me, he's actually wearing that headband. Yeah. You know, so, and no, uh, and he. Oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Wore it everywhere. I was no, gonna I was going to say he he wore it everywhere. Yeah, if you look at uh, Phil's uh, Phil's social media profile, all the pictures he has of him and Jimmy, Jimmy's wearing it. In probably ninety percent of them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Benny, any uh, any other observations, comments? You know, I'm, I'm, I was just thinking of, you, know, you get these random memories, and I was thinking about, this is kind of actually a funny story, but my brother and I were watching TV in our TV room, and we were laying on the, back in the day, you know, you had the shag carpet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and my brother's then fiance climbs on the couch and then does it one better and climbs to the, you know, the, like the top of the couch, <laughs> gives gives the Jimmy Snook a sign, but she didn't do the, the, uh, the the splash she actually did a knee drop and oh. i actually heard i heard my brother's ribs crack oh my uh, god so she had to the hospital my brother being the ultimate foodie that he he is they stopped and got a family-sized calzone just for him on the way to the oh emergency room god. that's a true italian for you right um and they, oh, god bless them dude. they will be married 39 years this year God bless. Just a, yeah, and even my my son, who at the time was two, he'd climb on the couch and give the you know, and I'd have to catch him because he'd be jumping off the couch. But everybody just Jimmy was everybody loved Jimmy. Yeah, absolutely, it sure did. Mm. Well, he is sorely missed. I tell you what, there was a uh, there was a guy that'll never be. You know, Dan, you you said uh, earlier, you asked Phil. You know, is there anybody that strikes you as the next? You know, Superfly Snooker. I, I would have to say probably no to that question, okay. because he was an original. Uh, and you know, in the words of Captain Lou Albano, "Wolfen imitated, never duplicated." Sure. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, on that note, gentlemen, I think we're going to say good night to everybody. Thursday night, ladies' night, part two. Princess Victoria, Judy Martin. Uh, Roxy Astor and Casey Carlisle nice. will be here. That should be an interesting, uh, and, uh, to say the least, an interesting show. Indeed. Because the women talk and you never get a chance to speak. For that, you're probably very grateful, Dan. <laughs> I'll keep my mouth shut most of the time. There you go. Say yes, man. But 
We are uh, we are back on Thursday at four. Dan the Man Sebastiano for Big Ben Scala from Ocala. I'm Psychic Medium Angelo. Take care and happy wrestling, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.